Hi, I'm Jay Farner, CEO of Quicken Loans, America's largest mortgage lender. Let's talk credit card debt for a minute. If you feel you're carrying too much of it, you're not alone. The average household in the U.S. carries over $8,000 in credit card debt. Ready for some good news? With a cash-out refinance from Quicken Loans, you can quickly and easily put some of the equity in your home to good use by paying off a lot of that high-interest credit card debt. A great way to take cash out is with our 30-year fixed-rate mortgage. The rate today on our 30-year fixed-rate mortgage is 4.125%, APR 4.22%. Call us today at 800-QUICKEN to learn how taking cash out with a 30-year fixed mortgage might be the right solution for you. And for a record nine years in a row, J.D. Power has ranked Quicken Loans highest in the nation in customer satisfaction for primary mortgage origination. Call us today at 800-QUICKEN or go to rocketmortgage.com. For J.D. Power award information, visit jdpower.com. Rate subject to change. Pay 0.88% fee to receive this discounted rate. Call for cost information and conditions. Equal housing lender. License in all 50 states. NMLS number 3030. Ladies and gentlemen, this is Coda Jacobs, the crusader and visionary behind a brighter future in wrestling. If you're an honorable and noble public servant like myself, you are listening to the Game Changer Podcast. Ladies and gentlemen, introducing the Wrestle Addict Radio Network. Radio Network. Hey, what's up, you guys? What is going on, everybody? What up, fam? Hey, it's me. What up, oozes? What's up, guys? This is the Monday Night Delight. Are you looking for a network that brings you all things pro wrestling? Then look no further. Wrestle Addict Radio brings you a varied source of wrestling content. What's going on, guys? This is Willie T. My name is Mr. Press. This is your resident smart slayer. Search for Wrestle Ads Radio on all major podcast platforms, and be sure to hit that subscribe button so you never miss an episode. Buzz, buzz, guys. My name is Kate Murphy of the Kings of the Ring podcast, and you are listening. And you're listening. And you're listening. And you are listening. And you are listening. Get ready for a war, because you're listening. Come join the war each and every week as we fight to keep wrestling real. What's up, everybody? This is King Ricky Rose, and you are listening to Wrestle Addict Radio. Radio, 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 radio. Go! If you close your eyes, your life and make it truth revealed. Since you never lived, it's God never healed. In the darkness, life will take you to the other side. Find me waiting there, you'll see if you just close your eyes. If you just close your eyes. and gentlemen that is the theme song of the one and only christian cage and if you don't know who christian cage is how can you call yourself a true wrestling fan i defy you to not know who christian cage is of course for a lot of you that are wwe loyal fans that is of course the theme song of the one and only captain charisma himself christian and the reason why we have that is because we are just a few days away. Actually, I think as soon as this comes out, it is going to be Oh Canada Day! <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, I am Nate DF and great. Welcome to the Game Changer Podcast, and I cannot think of anybody better than my favorite Canadian. Sorry, Danny, but he kind of comes first. The one and only Mr. Fred. How's it going? Drink it in, man. Oh. <laughs> uh, uh. Dude, and once I heard Christian's theme, I just thought, oh, you didn't get waterproof blondes. Oh, I like the one with the female singer. Oh, that's right, yeah. That was like... Right out, of, 
straight out of WWE Day of Reckoning 2 for the GameCube. There's a Wayback Machine there for you. Oh. Yes, it is me. It is Mr. Fritz. It is the Canadian something something. I can't think of a pun right now because I am running on very low sleep and night shift brain. But yes, you can find me at the Legendary JF. You can find... Yeah, Twitter and Instagram at the Legendary JF, Facebook at James Fretz. Uh, yeah, there, there it is. There's, there's the cheap plugs. And yes, we are on Russell Addict Radio at Addict underscore Russell. And don't forget to follow our friends, Nate. And who are they? They are, of course, the Fourth Wall Wrestlecast. You can follow them at Fourth Wallcast. We have the Nacho Mama Soap Opera featuring the one only head oost himself, Mr. Jeff, at not underscore opera. We have Mance representing the Gift the Podcast uh, on at Gift the Podcast, which I want to. I do actually have one thing I want to say about him a little bit later on during the show, and also uh, the greatest trio in all of royalty, that being the Kings of the Rings Podcast at KOTR underscore Podcast. All of these guys are a part of Wrestle Attic Radio. We're proud to be a part of the Wrestle Attic Radio family. We're proud to represent the brand for uh, for the former RWA. Ladies and gentlemen, it's time for us to talk royalty like we said. No, I've already took my shots at royalty last week, and I haven't really heard anything from the royal man himself. So I think we're, I'm in the clear right now. I know you've wiped your hands clean of that one. <laughs> His hands are completely clean. I'm the one that's like, yep, they're dirty. But, oh, you know. Oh, no, the, the, these are still dirty from work, and despite the fact I've washed them but not showered yet today. <laughs> so, guys, we're going to be getting... I don't know if I would say down and dirty with this one, but we are going to have a little bit of fun because we are going to be reviewing the 1999 King of the Ring event under the WWF banner. This happened on June 27th, 1999 in Greensboro, North Carolina. Wow, how many places have we been? How many times have we heard that stadium? Not so much nowadays, but... Honestly, guys, this was a pretty good event. Attendance of 19,761. Uh, this, of course, had a few King of the Ring qual- uh, semifinals as well as the finals of the event. We also had a great ladder match as the main event, a WWE title matchup, and a very interesting, I guess I would say, underrated tag team matchup. But before we get into that, it's only tradition that any time we look at a blast from the past, we have somebody to take us back in that blast from the past. Mr. Fritz. If you won't mind, please take it away. Little Wayne's World transition there for you, friends. Yes, uh, there is a personal story connected to my Wayback Machine. But before I do, I have to let you know what's been happening in uh, pop culture and movies, video games, songs, whatever, during this time in 1999. So you said it's the 27th. Today is the 20-year anniversary of, of that show, of King of the Ring 99. Oh shoot! You're right. Uh, Holy crap! <laughs> yeah. yeah, and there's also a, there's another. And what else do we have? Something that was released on the internet that completely changed the, the game and completely changed how we do everything online. And it's this little program called Napster. Oh shit! Really? Na- Napster came out twenty years ago this month, and everybody. And, the, and this was the precursor to, uh, you know, BitTorrent downloads. So back when you could download songs like on a 56K modem and only download maybe five or six before you completely fill your computer, 
Napster was your place. Of course, it was the precursor to things like LimeWire and uh, uh, Kazaw and all and all those ones. But now everyone just goes to uh, Pirate Bay and gets their stuff from there. But yes, uh, before Metallica ruined Napster, and you and you had to Google. You had to Google different words when you were looking for songs. Let's just say, 20 years ago was uh, a personal favorite album of mine, and that's Anima of the State by Blink-182. And let's just say, in about 2001, when Napster started going down south and Metallica started getting the lawsuit out, you had to say, okay, Blink-182, how about Blunk-466, and then you get, like, what's my age again and all that. In theaters is a movie I saw when I got out of the hospital. I'm going to get into that in a minute. Austin Powers, The Spy Who Shagged Me. Oh, damn. That's right. Tarzan. And speaking of Blame Canada, the South Park movie is 20 years old. Holy shit. Those are like like three great movies right off the bat. Oh, I got one more. A personal favorite of mine from Adam Sandler. Big Daddy. Oh, Big Daddy. Yes. <laughs> they get kangaroo song. Uh, it's like apparently the, the kid in that movie is now, um, I think he's Jughead in Riverdale. Really? Yeah. Wow. But it's, it's, it's like a set of twins. It's like The Sweet Life of Zack and Cody. It's like twins playing the same part. In video games, it was, it was pretty light. We had this one game. A lot of people like Counter-Strike, but I've never played it. But I think it's out of the, the Half-Life 2 engine. Pokemon Pinball came out for the Game Boy, and we were just mere months away from one of the greatest video games of my <clears throat> of my high school life, and that is Tony Hawk's Pro Skater. I got nothing really to say about Tony Hawk. I remember being that one kid that would play the skate the skateboard the Tony Hawk games, and I would always try to do like cool tricks, but also try to be like, how can I hurt Tony Hawk in this game? <laughs> I don't know why. It was just one of those things where it's like, how can I white out badly in this game? I have oh, a demented I would, child. I would just watch the the wipeout blue when when you beat the game, you get to unlock a whole bunch of uh, blooper reels from like wipeouts in real life. Really? So I'll just sit there and watch like ten minutes of guys trying to do a grind and then then knocking their junk off of a rail. Oh jeez! Oh my gosh! <laughs> yeah, but I believe the demo for this game was out in like PlayStation magazine back when those magazines came with demo discs, and ah, uh, that just takes me back. Pre-internet demos, man. It was awesome. So now to get into a personal story. Um, a lot of you know this. It's like, oh, Fred, you're going to talk about this again. But no, June 21st this year, just just last Friday, was the 20-year anniversary of uh, my spinal fusion surgery. Uh, when I was rather young, about maybe 12, 13, I was diagnosed with scoliosis, which is a curvature of the spine. Like, I was at the doctor's office, and my mom's like, pointed out, say, Dr. Miller, does that look all right? He's like, hmm, let me get the chiropractor. He comes in, yep, you're going to have surgery. So that's a lot to take in when you're young. So over the years, I'd go to Toronto Sick Kids Hospital for for your CAT scans, your MRIs, um, blood work, and all that before I went into surgery on June 21st, 1999. Uh my curve was progressing at a really rapid rate, and you know, surgery was the only option. I probably wouldn't—I'd either be severely disabled or not here to talk to you about it today if I didn't have it done. Uh, so what they did is, in about ten and a half hours, they fused uh, steel rods to my spine, took um, 
bone chips out of my pelvis and fused them to a couple of my thoracic vertebrae, and it corrected it. And I was I was in the hospital for a week. Uh, my mother, who is also a nurse at an, at a uh, retirement home, old age home, uh, stayed in the hospital with me and helped uh, help me get around, help me you know, just get up to go to the bathroom or just to sit up or. To try, to try and, and get out of bed and, and rest up. Uh, my surgery was on a Monday night, so I was more concerned about missing Monday Night Raw. And a couple of days later, some of my friends uh, came into the hospital and, and saw me. Among this friend was a youth pastor who's new in town. I barely knew him, but he's he cared enough to take a couple of my friends and come see me so it was after that I started going to youth group and eventually church uh, among the things I saw when I was uh, when I was in there is I in bed I got to see the San Antonio Spurs win the 1999 NBA championship uh, the sick kids hospital in Toronto they kind of have their own TV station like in-house so and they always air like you know kids shows or something but Every morning from about 6 until 12, they aired, like, the entire Disney afternoon lineup. So, DuckTales, Bonkers, Goof Troop, uh, <clears throat> Darkwing Duck, like, old-school Mickey Mouse and Chippendale and Donald Duck cartoons, and it it was fun. So, that's one of many reasons I'm a, I'm a big-time proponent for Sick Kids Hospital, and, you know, especially with the... Uh, the thing I'm doing for my niece in, in August, the uh, the, eight, the Sabo Beach 8K Beach Run. Check out my pinned tweet for that if you want to help donate to that to the Bleeding Disorders Fund to Sick Kids. Uh, I remember watching, this is going to set up King of the Ring 99. Uh, so today, today, Sunday, June 27, 1999, is the day before I came home from the hospital. So I'm watching Sunday Night Heat for the first time ever because I didn't have the television station it was on. And I watched Sunday Night Heat setting up King of the Ring. And I'm just like, I, I turned to my mom and I'm like, I wonder if I can order this. And I think I either like, I tried to like persuade her or persuade the nurse to try and order to see if I can get King of the Ring at Sick Kids Hospital. Sadly, but also thankfully, <laughs> as we'll see later, uh, it... It didn't. It wasn't meant to be. So the next day, while I'm waiting for my uh, my father to come pick us up, I'm in the uh, oh, was that one of the, the library or something? Going on WWF.com on Toronto dial-up internet in 1999. Actually, really fast. <laughs> and I found out who won, and whew, thank God I missed that. But one, <laughs> one cool thing is there was a brief like either there's like two times that this happened. The big boss man was in the middle of a quasi-face turn, or, excuse me, um, not face turn. He came out, I think, to wrestle, like, uh, Viscera. But he came to the ring to hard times. His old face theme from, like, the 80s. Hmm. And then he came out to it on Raw the next night, unless I'm mixing them both up. It was This was just a bit of a tease and a bit of a... Nostalgia pop, I, I guess, but yeah, you know, boss, boss man went back to the covert ministry. Spoiler alert. So, yep, and yeah, this back pain—it's something I can feel. Like I felt some back spasms as I wo- as I woke up today, as I was walk just walking to my kitchen to get my breakfast to get the boom. So, I still feel it today, but uh, I'm glad I had it done. 
maybe there's going to be some stuff happening with it later in life as my spine gradually wear and tears, but big, big ups to Sick Kids Hospital for this and for, you know, Scoliosis Research Society of Canada, if that's a thing. And I have something to say about this first match. All right. So, well, before before we go deep into that, I said this once, I'll say it again. It's always a miracle, and it's really good that we still have you here with us, Fred. So, for those that took care of this man here, thank you so much for having him be here today. It means so much to so many people. And, guys, be sure to check out his pinned tweet. Definitely find a way that you can make a difference. All right. So, now, into this weird kind of transition to the... Uh, so you said the, the first matchup here. We have X-Pac taking on Hardcore Holly in a quarterfinal matchup in the Kings of the Rings tournament. Now, I will say this, that one of the things I liked about this was that this is where they started saying, hey, this is where he's starting to become, you know, actual Hardcore Holly. He's not just Bob Holly or... The Big or, Shot. The Big Shot, whatever, whatever they wanted to, you know, call him. He's now turning into Hardcore Holly. And it definitely shows in this matchup why he's got that moniker of hardcore, they kind of talked about it loosely during the uh, matchup itself, uh, which I thought was a pretty good matchup. I thought X Pac and Hardcore Holly put out a good one, uh, but it ended with Hardcore Holly getting a steel chair, whacking out on X Pac to cause of disqualification, so X Pac would advance. But it doesn't stop. Hardcore Holly's just like, nope, just gonna keep going for a while here, just because I can, but because I'm Bob Holly, and because I'm a badass. You know what? I'm just gonna stop there because Bob Holly is a badass, and I don't want him ripping off my chest like he did to Daniel Pewter in 2005 Royal Rumble. Uh, Pewter had it coming. Fair enough. <laughs> no, but th- I-, I look at this and immediately, just because I've been listening to um, Cultaholic's uh, classic Raw reviews with um, Justin Henry and uh, Tom Campbell, uh, you know, so I have to do something at work and fill my iPod with a whole bunch of stuff. Uh, these are former tag team champions. Bob Holly and the 123 Kid. Oh... In, in their chronological critique, thank you, OSW Review, of uh, every Monday Night Raw, they're just about to get to this point in time where uh, One Two Three Kid and Bob Holly won the titles off of the Quebecers for a couple of days. Hmm. And there's, this isn't this isn't the first time we have future tag team champions and former um, buddies going up against each other. Hint, hint. And True. the interview after this match was just. If you're a fan of the Attitude Era podcast like I am, uh, they just they memed the crap out of this. It's like interview with Bob Holly, and it's just like, oh, and I hadn't forgot about you, Big Show, and I'm doing like the Scott Hall yeah, finger wagging <laughs> thing for for con, uh, for audio context people. If you but. I think a lot of us wrestling fans, and namely us in the WrestleLatic Radio, I think we're all aware of the existence of of the Attitude Era podcast, so mm-hmm. I don't think I need to explain myself, but we see Xbox's um, real-slash-kayfabe uh, neck damage come into play throughout this entire event, oh, and it's just... It's a neat little knot in the in the storyline, I think. And he Bronco busts himself in this match, and I'm instantly reminded of the time he tore his arsehole open doing it. Like, ugh. Oh, that's right. I do remember that. Or like Jesus. D-Lo, doing it to D'Lo Brown, and then D'Lo Brown just gets his foot up, and it goes full on into his ex sack. Like, ugh. Jesus. Uh, so we go into the next matchup, which is Kane versus The Big Show. Uh... I will say this, that we, 
have seen better matches in between these two. I'm not going to lie. This oh. was just kind of one of those matches where it was just like, oh, we're just going to see who's got the strength, who's got the... It's just, I will say this, this is clocked in at 6 minutes and 29 seconds. I think that this was like 3 minutes way too much. If they would have clocked it at like 3 minutes, it would have been enough. But, Did uh, you just say 3 minutes? <laughs> 3 minutes and we're out of here. Then we're out of here. Oh man, 3 minute warning. Oh god, we gotta do a podcast about 3 minute warning. I think there's a whole podcast waiting there. Um, but that's beside the point. Yeah, this matchup, again, nothing really too special. Hardcore Holly gets a little bit of revenge on the big show, costing him the big match. <laughs> the big slow. Big <laughs> and, uh, yeah, Kane gets the victory. He advances on. This is not one of those matches that a lot of people are going to really be like, oh, it's going to be really good. They put on great matches afterwards. Like, no, this is like their early stages of nothing too awesome. This was just kind of like a slow... I, I think I've seen a lot of reviews call it a dud, and I think that's probably the best way of putting this matchup. Yeah, it's and and there's a few things in here like a big show. His pants are just so unflattering, mm-hmm. and they got shorter as the summer went on. Like, oh, uh, right. so, sorry, buddy, uh, you don't have the body type for for maybe now because like I met the big show last year, and he is huge. Like, not only is he like. I'm up to. I'm not only am I like up to his crotch, but his he is jacked to the gills. And Bob Holly, this is just the beginning of his whole super heavyweight spiel. I think like I'm over 400 pounds, and they even if you played well, you played No Mercy, obviously, right? Of course, of course, every, everybody did it. I I can probably yeah, I can touch the tote bag that it's in there right now. I think it stopped working here. Um, He's built at, you can create your guy at build at 400 pounds, but unlike, say, if you try to body slam Viscera or Mark Henry in the game, you try to slam the guy, he's like, <laughs> uh, you easily slam Bob Holly, but that's also because the SmackDown game, Spike Dudley can do a tornado backbreaker on the big show. Realism! Uh, <laughs> just the unprotected chair shots to the head in this okay. whole show. That's right. Uh, and and they and they still bring up this is like classic WCW booking, but they still bring up like Andre the Giant when it comes to the Big Show. He's the son of Andre. And me being when I first saw the the Giant when I was like twelve, I'm like Andre had a son. <laughs> Kids, this this is what it's like when you watch wrestling before the internet. Right. No, I I totally get you. I think that it's just one of those things where. As much as it's a kind of a compliment for Big Show to have that, I think after a while Big Show is just like, okay, I'm not really the son of Andre. We can just we can just move on from this. Future but, tag team champion Big Show and Kane. That is true. That is true. I did, I, were they WrestleMania opponents? Uh, I don't think so. I remember that they had the titles at WrestleMania, and then they feuded after that. It was like 2006, I want to say. Because I remember going to the Raw after WrestleMania and they lost it to the Spirit Squad. Oh, sweet oh. Lord Almighty! That is another oh, subject for another time. <laughs> let's let's talk. Let's talk Move about on. this. <laughs> let's let's talk about. Uh, I would say Billy Gunn, but throughout this oh. entire event, he's known as Mister Ass. Which, to be honest, I understand why they're calling him that. And I will say this: that he is definitely. I think he's gotten better with 
with the names ever since this because now now he can be known as producer for AEW, probably his best name in the entirety of his career. But yeah, this and is it. Company. Yep, and uh, yeah, he took on Ken Shamrock, who actually suffered an assault from Shane McMahon, and I believe it was the Mean Street Posse, and they brutalized Ken Shamrock to the point where people were, where refs were saying, no, we don't want you going out there. And Ken Shamrock being Ken Shamrock because he's a badass, and honestly, I need to watch more Ken Shamrock matches because I love this dude. He basically is just like, no, F that. I'm going out there, and I'm fighting. He goes out, and he tries the best that he can to take on uh, Billy Gunn, and he even gets Billy Gunn in kind of like a weaker form of the ankle lock. He's not able to lock it in. Unfortunately, his ribs and his chest were just hurting him too much to the point where I think it was a shot to by Billy Gunn to Ken Shamrock that caused him to start doing that whole bleeding internally deal where he started bleeding from the mouth, and referee's just like, nope, we're done, we're done. So by referee stoppage, Billy Gunn wins, he advances to the semifinal matchup. The match itself was quick, and I think that it's probably one of the more uncomfortable matches I've ever watched because of how it real it felt that, you know, this guy literally just got the crap beat out of him and he's able to, you know, go out there. It's one of those things where it's like, I, I love Ken Shamrock, he's a badass, but at the same time, it's still one of those things where it's like, he's still human though, he's, oh gosh, mm, I know this is fake, but this still feels real to me, damn it. Uh, it, yeah, it, it was Steve Blackman, I think that jumped him backstage because this is when uh, Steve was in the middle of his heel turn. Oh shoot, that's right, yeah. Steve Blackman yeah, was a thing here. <laughs> yeah, whapping him with the kendo sticks and uh, looking at us like, Billy Gunn, why are you wearing the tag team championship? Oh, shoot, that's right. Stupidity. Oh. Some weird two out of three falls, nitro, something with the APA. Uh, I, I forget, the, I forget uh, the whole context. But uh, it was something te- to do technically, with the- technically, they were known as the Acolytes back in the day. They weren't quite the APA yet. I know I'm Not speaking quite- technicality, but... Yeah, yeah, it's like something to do with the Acolytes, and then next night on Raw, the Acolytes just beat the crap out of them, and yeah, it was like a hurt, Ken Shermuck, he tries to go for the hurt, Conrana, but boom, sit down, powerbomb, he just explodes, it's like when you strike your opponent with a chair and no mercy, he just, just oh, everywhere. God. The yeah. last year's King of the Ring winner. He's out. And, and he's on his way out of the company, sadly, in a, in a few short months. Oh, we're, we don't got a lot of Ken Shamrock left in 1999. God, no, uh, I'm getting sad now. We got a Lions Den, Lions Den match, though. But, yeah, going on. <laughs> uh, we have China taking on the Road Dog in a quarterfinal matchup. I will say this. I think that this was the matchup where it was kind of showcasing China's moveset more than anything. And... I get it. They're trying to make China into this big deal, and honestly, if they would have gone the route of having China become the first queen of the ring for this, I would have been okay with it. But I oh think God, that yes. this was just one of those deals where I think that this is a match that went on way too long. This is the longest uh, matchup in the entirety of the King of the Ring uh, deals. You could combine like so many of these matches and it would not touch this. At Clocking at 13 minutes and 40, 14 seconds... Uh, but yeah, this was just mainly, you know, Triple H getting involved and China showcasing her strength and stuff like that, which is cool, it's fine, but it's still one of those things where it's like, we know how strong China is, we don't need this kind of showcase deal. Uh, in the end, though, Road Dog was able to overcome the odds, she, he's able to hit the uh, pump handle slam on China for the victory to advance to the semifinal matchup, 
where he'll be taking on his tag team partner, X-Pac. So this is where it's going to be interesting, guys. I will say this. It is kind of one of the shockers of the night to go into that matchup. But, yeah, honestly, like I said, this matchup, it's just one of those things where it's like, oh, we're showcasing China. We're showcasing how strong she is. Totally unnecessary because we already know how strong she was. But I'm not going to complain about it. It's another one of those things where it's like, holy crap, we get to see China be basically a badass. I'm okay with that. You forgot uh, something very pivotal in, the, in this match, Nate. Um, the lead up to the pump handle slam. There, there's a, you know, China's been low blowing everybody. I mean, if, if you hit A and B and no mercy, ping, you hit it every time. But uh, there's a thing about you know Road Dog really not hitting her for a little bit. Storyline. Uh, there, there's a line in this that is just so horrifying and disgusting by by Jerry Lawler. He's like. Hey, is China like a doggy style? Oh, God. I'm, I'm not going there. Um, but the low blow, ping, nope. Road dog oh, my goes, God. Goes, goes down his pants, brings out the, he waves around his little protective cup, and then he hits the pump handle slam, and thankfully, he didn't do the, the thrust that he usually does to his opponents when he, before he does it, because that just would have looked, um... I know WWE wasn't PG at this point in time, but I'm, I'm, not, I'm just going to stop right there and let <laughs> everyone's imagination run wild. I'm sorry. Um, we have a nice rock promo next. Just classic, classic rock stuff. He's just like making fun of the Undertaker talking in tongues, and immediately, you know, the, the Christian in me is like, huh, tongues, how Pentecostal. And... <laughs> A lot of some of you won't get this. Uh, this 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 one's for you, Mance. I know I don't know what church you're affiliated with, but there you go. That's a nice little sprinkle for you, my friend. <laughs> oh man, that's good. Oh man, I, I did actually forget about that. That was a really cool moment. That was one of the first few times where we actually see somebody actually being smart and saying, "Hey, yeah, you gave me with a low blow, but I got protection. I'm cool. We're good." <laughs> it was just amazing. Um, we go into the next matchup, which is an unscheduled matchup. It was supposed to be on Sunday Night Heat, but it ended in a no contest. We have the Hardy Boys taking on the Brood, one of the first of, I believe, many matches to come in the future, because the Hardy Boys, Jeff Hardy and Matt Hardy, taking on the Brood, Edging Christian. Woo! Boy, howdy. Um... This is... A, I like this matchup. It was kind of one of those matches where it's like, yo, know, these guys are new, they're kind of interesting uh you know christian and edge definitely had kind of like the boyish charm that a lot of girls would just go absolutely crazy for jeff hardy and matt hardy were always the guys that are just like we're just gonna rip off our shirts and show the pecs for the ladies uh ah, that's what? for you mj jeff hardy <laughs> oh man yeah sh- shout out to mj and phil and best of luck to you guys in your future show that's coming out i'm looking forward to seeing what that's gonna be all about um but yeah, I think the spot here, this might actually probably be spot of the night where we first got to see Edge basically utilize the spear, not just on the ground, but also in a different point here. Because here comes Jeff Hardy trying to go for a whisper in the wind, and we're like, okay, this might be pretty interesting. Edge decides, I'm going to go to the top, I'm going to go to the second rope, and I'm just going to leap and charge right into him. Spear. And everybody just loses their minds, so much so nice. that they keep showing that spot over and over again but it's such a good spot really awesome 
Uh, but the Hardy Boys pick up the victory here, and I do believe that with this win, they now become the number one contenders to the tag team titles. But wasn't this also the lead-up to their matchup against the Acolytes, where a certain big event happens? I believe, yeah, I believe they wrestled the Acolytes on Raw. Yeah, there's, I should have talked about the, the Raw after this, because it was the day I got out of the hospital. We'll get into that, get into that after, but it's, um, yeah, yeah, the... Hardy Boys win their first tag team championship off of this, and there's a, it's just a car crash of a match. I remember hearing, like, well, this wasn't the Hardy Boys classic theme, but it was some really crappy theme. If you played WrestleMania 2000, you'll know exactly what I'm talking about. Some shite theme here, and Michael Hayes is looking so out of place with the Hardy Boys, but in a way, he's taken them under his under his freebird wing, dude. Dude, uh, when I saw that sphere, I was brought back to uh, to a show that you and I reviewed this year, uh, WrestleMania X Seven, with right. with a twenty foot ladder in the sphere, and just how how far this feud goes in just over two years. Like right here, it has begun. <sighs> And we get no no mercy ninety nine. Uh, that might be worth a look in the fall because Ooh. that is like the gem in the turd that that show is. Yeah, I think we're gonna have to definitely look into that. Uh, yeah, and you see Gangrel uh, kind of costing the brood the match, and this is kind of an, another little dissension smellness not in the storyline where we eventually see the new brood because every tag team with the word new in it is better than its original. See new rockers, new Midnight Express for uh, for, for reference. Yeah, fair enough. Uh, next matchup we got in here. Billy Gunn defeats Kane. Nope. 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 See ya. Oh, why was this the thing? Big Red Monster, why? You lost to a dude who shows off his ass, why? No. Uh, Here's here's, here's why. Um, He used a chair, and the Big Show interferes, so this furthers their feud. I don't care. It still should not have happened. Get get this atrocity off here. Move on to the next match, please. Can we please move on from this? I don't want to talk about it. Well, we can talk about, before this match, The Undertaker talked about ripping off the balls of the Brahma Bull. Um, you, know, you know, I'm okay with this. I'm okay with this. We can go in that. This next match, nev- that ma- next match never happened. We go into Xbox versus Road Dog. I yes, will say this. DX, DX explodes Oh, my again. gosh. I, I will say, I did like the promos between The Rock and The Undertaker. When we get to the matchup, I definitely want to talk a little bit about uh, interesting history when it comes to that. With... Uh, when it comes to, you know, my, my wrestling uh, fandom when it comes to that. But I'll talk about that in a minute. Uh, like we said, X-Pac versus uh, Road Dog happened. Uh, it was kind of one of those matches where it was really short, and we got an X-Factor out of nowhere onto Road Dog, which I literally was like, whoa, um, okay, that just yes. that, that just happened. Uh, but, yeah, it was one of those things where they just show, like, oh, hey, hey, you know, we wrestled a good match, and they kind of, you know, shake hands, raise each other's hand, blah, 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 that deal. It was nice one of those matches where it's like, hey, they show that there's at least some good sportsmanship. So, not really like a major highlight, but to me it's kind of one of those things where it's like, okay, they still got that in WWE. I'm okay with this. Full circle, Nate. There's a full circle moment here. And what is that full circle, Mr. Fretz? Um, what kind 
match did X-Pac and the Road Dog have next year? Um, oh gosh. King, King of the Ring 2000, tag team match. They're oh, a tag team again. Oh gosh, now, 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 you got, now you got me interested. Now I have to take a look at this and see what the... No, I'm just going to tell you. All right. Uh, we had a tag team dumpster match with the Dudley Boys. Oh, for the love of all that time, Mighty. Oh, that's so, right, we did talk about this last week. Oh, for the love of God. Yeah, oh, there's, there's another. There, there, there's another. Just because of something that happened on Raw this week, we have a, another uh, full circle moment happening with a particular um, uh, dead man. Oh, spoiler alert. Oh, no, but uh, I thoroughly enjoyed this match. We had the whole thing with, uh, you know, X-Pot kind of go and shoot for a bit. Like, hey, Brian James, you know, you're my best friend, but I got to do this, blah, blah, blah. So you had a nice little um, sweet storytelling here with uh, the real-life friends and Degeneration X. And it's like, even though DX is still basically broken up, you're kind of trying to hang on to the moniker a little bit. And I I thought it was really sweet because hearing, oh, you didn't know never gets old to me. Like, when I was a teenager... That and the whole, you know, ooh, let's get rid of Sorin thing was just, ah, right here, right, right here, man. Ooh, yeah, I'm getting a little just bit of goosebumps, too, because I... High, high school, dude. <laughs> oh, it's, it's beautiful, it's beautiful. So, uh, next matchup is the match for the WWE Championship, or back then, as known as the WWF Championship. We have the champion, The Undertaker, who made his return to Monday Night Raw this past week to help Roman Reigns, and now he's in a tag team match. Okay, then. He takes on the people's champion, The Rock. And I want to see this. So... I actually watched a VHS tape that featured The Rock, uh, kind of talking a bit about some of the things that, you know, he was going through, kind of bringing up, like, his upbringing, how he learned how to, you know, talk smack and stuff like that, his fan interactions, everything like that. It was really cool. Yes, this was a VHS tape, so for those of you that caught that reference, welcome to the old people's club. For those of you that didn't catch that reference, congratulations, you're irrelevant. So, for this, uh, one of the first matches that that shows on here is that it shows The Rock versus The Undertaker at King of the Ring. And what's ironically enough is that Undertaker did a DVD Blu-ray deal, I think it was, about a few years later, that actually featured this matchup on there as well. So, it's one of those things where it's like, whoa, okay. It's actually got some kind of cred to it because both Undertaker and Rock definitely talk about these mat this match up here, and I just remember watching it. and I was like, I like this match. I like it. <laughs> Although I did have one little dispute, one little thing that kind of annoyed me a bit. Uh, was there even an opening bell when it came to this matchup? Because I swear, all it was was just like, oh hey, here come the entrances. Referee gets knocked down. Rock goes for rock bottom. He goes to the cover. Here comes the ref. One, two, gets pulled out by Paul Bear, taken out, and I'm just thinking, was there even an opening bell for this thing? It was just, no, a, it, was, it's, it's, it was a small, it's a small thing, but it was one of those things like, was there even an opening bell? And we're not even. I'm a genius. <laughs> there's, there's some geniusness to this. It's kind of those things. Was like, okay, this is weird, but no, they fought in the crowd. They got some really good uh, offense on each other. This is a really good matchup between Undertaker and Rock. Honestly, it might be one of my favorites. Uh, I liked that they definitely showcase Undertaker being a badass. They definitely showcase The Rock being not only smart, but also being, you know, the people's champ. You definitely show him, 
you know, like spraying water on the Undertaker. He sprays beer on the Undertaker from a guy in the crowd. It's just one of those things where it definitely shows that The Rock is still one of those guys who can entertain people and loves to interact with people. He loves being out there, being able to be like, you know, hey, I'd like to, you know, you know, hey, man, let's get you involved in the show. Let's get you involved in this. Or he could be that guy who's like, oh, hey, you there. Shut up, you cookie puss. Something like that. You know, just he always oh, finds a way to just enjoy. I know. I know that that's a reference that a lot of people are going to need to dig for. Let's just say that it involves one of my favorite guys, and I'm kind of mad about it, but at the same time, it's kind of one of those things that kind of makes me giddy. It's like, <laughs> it's funny. Um, but no, it ends with uh, Triple H getting involved. He hits one pedigree on The Rock, and Rock kicks out of it. The Undertaker's like, okay, your move sucks. I'm going to hit him with a tombstone. Boom. One, two, three. Undertaker retains. Honestly... I think other than the main event, this was probably one of my favorite matches of the night. I would definitely say... No, I would say that this is my favorite match of the night. Second favorite would be the main event. Um, Like I said, it showcases The Rock. It showcases The Undertaker. This is one of those matches that I understand why they put this both on their VHS, DVDs, whatever they want to call it. It's a pretty good matchup. I... I didn't like it as much as you did, Nate, but it was still a fun match, and just... Just looking at um, the difference between the 98 King of the Ring and the 99 King of the Ring, like, you know, namely with people like The Rock, just the pop that he got, and the ministry theme. I am 35, and that theme still scares the shit out of me and gives me goosebumps. Let's be, thank- love- let's be thankful that it's the ministry theme and not the ministry corporation theme. What the hell is that? Uh, let's. That, that doesn't exist. Okay, um, fair enough. Yeah, and just, but still, like, and, and this Undertaker's, like, demon cult leader thing, it was corny as fuck. But <laughs> it's, it, it's fun. It's really fun. Um, I might have to send you the soundbite for this, in, for to be the intro to this show. Okay. But just, the, the, there was one thing in here that led up to this, and it's three simple words. It's me, Austin! Oh, God. Oh, son of a bitch! Like, yeah. oh, the greater power. There's a rebooking for me to do. <laughs> I um, I actually do have a rebooking for that. I'll, I'll give you guys a little bit of a taste of it when we get done talking about this, but, yeah. But... The last... The last and there's one more thing. The last time that they were in um, that city, uh, was it, were they in Raleigh? Um, I think they were... Uh, this one was in Greensboro, yeah. Okay. Um, the last time they were, the Undertaker wrestled in that city was the Inferno match. So oh shit, wow yeah, hmm. that's chloroform. <laughs> oh, that's right. That 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 was a thing in this video, but I'm not even gonna talk. I'm not even gonna mention no. that. that. That never happened. That never happened. And I'm keeping that out of the outskirts of my mind. Uh, what I can't keep out the outskirts of my mind is the fact that we go into the King of the Ring final matchup. Oh God, we. We knew the result was going into it. We knew who was going to win. Uh, for me, I was just literally like, okay, just end this, please. Just get this guy out. Oh, God. Um, we do, we, you do mention, you know, X-Pac was dealing with uh, his neck injuries during this time. And, you know, they definitely do hint at the fact, that, you know, he's got this neck deal going on. He's definitely not at 100%. Hits a famous, sir. It just looks really brutal. And I'm there thinking, okay, here we go. One, two, kick out. I'm like, what? Oh, well, this is uh, 
this is different. I was sick and that was going to be it. But no, he kicked out of the regular Famouser, and I was just like, okay, uh, we got ourselves a matchup. I'm actually now intrigued by this. <laughs> it's really sad to, to, to say that a kick out of a Famouser is what made me think, okay, now you got me invested. What's going on here? Um, but, you know, X-Pac, he tried to mount some offense, but unfortunately Billy Gunn was able to, you know, cut him off. He's able to stop him. And we get a second rope Famouser, which would now be known as the John Cena leg drop, for those of you that are current wrestling fans, let's face it. Uh, and that's how Billy Gunn wins the King of the Ring. Mr. Ass is your King of the Ring. And what does he end up doing? About two months later, he kisses a fluffy woman's no. butt. Yeah. That, that's your King of the Ring, ladies and gentlemen. Just great job, WWE. Great booking. I Okay. So, prior to this event, I think um, the late Mabel, mm-hmm. rest in peace, uh, would have been used as a verb. I, I, okay, I, I'm so tired I don't I can't tell the difference between my nouns and adjectives and verbs. I'm like Kevin Nash on the NWO promo. Shout out if you know what that means. Um, I promise I won't Billy Gunn this event. Prior to this, I think Mabel used in that context. This King of the Ring will always be known as I promise I won't Billy Gunn this as Edge so famously famously coined when he won the King of the Ring in 2001. Uh, I think this is worse than Mabel, honestly. honestly. And when I was in, when I was you know uh, in the hosp- sick kids hospital library waiting for my dad and I'm going through the results and I'm just like duh, 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 Billy Gunn. What? <laughs> what? I, I, I probably would have been like, it probably would have been like a cold blue in my hospital room had I actually watched that live. Or I would have been just like suplexing nurses out out of like a tenth story window. <laughs> so, oh. you, you, they give you the Brock Lesnar testosterone, the early versions of it, and somehow you're able to just go absolutely crazy. And it's like Fretzel Platt yeah. City, bitch. <laughs> Or that, or that bit, it was like that WWE Super Bowl commercial, you see that guy just get thrown out of the Titan Towers window, and McMahon just like, thumbs up in front of the building, and... <laughs> or the WWF, <laughs> what the hell? Attitude, get EF out! Alright, so, we go into the main event, which is a handicap match, a handicap ladder match, I should say, for the control of the entire World Wrestling Federation. Stone Cold Steve Austin versus Vince McMahon. And at first, it looks like Vince McMahon is going to have to find a par- different partner because apparently Shane McMahon was too brutalized earlier. And it looked like we were going to get Steve Blackman, which in all honesty, Steve Blackman, Stone Cold Steve Austin during that time, would have probably been kind of nice. But... We don't get G-T-V. that. GTV. Yes, that was amazing. I loved that. So we get a GTV moment where Shawn Michaels pulls up the footage and we see <laughs> we see the three the Mean Street Posse. They're talking with Shane and Shane's even trying to still sell this whole like, oh, ow, ow, I'm still hurt and stuff like that. And they're just saying like we're on TV. He's like, yeah, I know, dude, we're on TV. No, I mean literally, we're on TV. Shane looks at the TV and he's like. Oh shit! We <laughs> see. So we're getting the handicap match between Vince McMahon and Shane McMahon against Stone Cold Steve Austin. I want to say this though before we get too deep into this, the promo package for this matchup literally feels like trolls made it because I literally look at this 
And I think to myself, was there somebody that literally just looked at this and said, yeah, Vince McMahon is the higher power. This is stupid. We're admitting it. We're admitting that this is really, 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 really dumb. It's me. I'm a genius. <laughs> he says that, and then we get the whole deal where Linda and Stephanie are like, oh, how could you do this? How could you do this? And Vince, of course, doing the coin of, oh, it's nothing personal. It's just business. And literally, I'm like, shut the fuck up, Vince. I know I shouldn't really curse too much, but but it's just one of those situations where I'm like, just shut up, Vince. I will literally punch you in the very depths of your soul. I'm pulling an Agent Cooper right now, where it's like, I'm just going to take a fiery Captain Falcon fist, burn up the insides of your soul, so that way you can never think of something this stupid ever again. So then we have... Stone Cold Steve Austin is given the power. We get the whole deal where he's taking over the whole entire WWF headquarters, making people do a lot of stuff, letting them have it done, literally having somebody fired just because they look stupid. I'm just literally thinking, okay, that's that's funny. That's funny. Uh, the match itself, nothing really too spectacular. I will say this, that it is about 90% Austin, 10% Shane and Vince. But that 10% was more than enough, because any spot that Stone Cold seemingly was being taken out by, that was fine. That was totally fine, because at least it wasn't like little crappy moments where it was like, oh, Stone Cold stripped on a ladder, oh, he's going to be down for a while. It's like, no, 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 no. Stone Cold gets literally tossed off of a ladder, and he's down for a while. It's like, okay, that makes sense. Shane and Vince, they try to do like a whole, uh, like the whole, like when you're playing like water chicken, you're just like stacked up by each other, and you're basically trying to get the you're trying to get the contract. We had that kind of nice moment where Stone Cold just kicks Vince in the gut, makes him do an electric chair to Shane. Uh, we get the dreaded briefcase ascending higher, and nobody really understands why. Nobody even explained why. Some people are still thinking, "Hey, maybe it was the big boss man." It probably was. It's like, okay, we never got an explanation out that on TV. Well, you don't need to know that. We kind of want to. Because then it would have made some kind of sense. Maybe we could have had some kind of good feud off of this. Um, but yeah, it ends with Shane McMahon and Vince. They are still in control of the WWF. Thankfully, though, thankfully though, there is some good aftermath for this for Stone Cold. Because he basically said, you know, regardless if I won or lost, I get a WWF title shot. He takes on The Undertaker. He wins it. They have an pretty brutal bad uh first blood match at fully loaded and then we get into the whole uh SummerSlam deal which is kind of a bit of a mess but i'm not gonna yeah. go we're, we're not gonna go no. into that um but yeah at least for austin you know after post king of the ring it worked for him it worked for him but yeah this matchup itself I, it didn't hurt austin it didn't hurt his career it's just one of those things where it's like really more mcmahon shenanigans okay i guess sure whatever but I do see, like, you know, the frustration that you have with the show. I remember, like, shaking my head after the show thinking, well, that was a thing. Um, there's some good matches, like we said. Like I said before, you know, I enjoyed Undertaker versus Rock. The Hardy Boy brood match was really good. Uh, they showcased China quite a bit. Uh, some good storytelling and some really, really good effects for a lot of these uh, stars. Like, you know, the whole thing with Ken Shamrock I thought was great. They're continuing the Hardcore Holly deal. Uh X-Pac and Road Dog match was honestly probably one of my favorites, if not my favorite King of the Ring deal. Um, I mean, other than that, everything else was just kind of like, meh, or just passable, 
if not infuriatingly passable. This show sucked. <laughs> Fair enough. <laughs> How, however, it's it, it's kind of it's kind of like there, there's a few gems in the turd as a thing phrase. I don't know why I say it. I think it's if you if you know what if you know American Dad has a running joke about this giant piece of gold that's shaped like a turd that fell out of Roger. Anyways, uh, yeah, it's it's that. Um, the uh, My favorite matchup, I loved the Edge and Christian Hardy Boys because it was the beginning of something amazing with these two teams. And eventually we get a whole... Not This is not a full circle deal. This is kind of like a down-the-line deal because like six years later we'd have like an Edge and Matt Hardy feud. Uh we have just th- this match was just nothing but like chaos, and it was sad seeing Shawn Michaels at this point in time, knowing how wasted he was at this point in time in his life. Yeah, and right. m- most of the t- most of the time, from like ninety nine two thousand, if you saw him on TV, it was like it's kind of known that ninety percent chance he was absolutely like plowed out of his mind. And thank the Lord that he's cleaned up. And I'm going to say something controversial here. Okay. Pre-heel Steph, way hotter. Pre-boob job. No, I can agree with that. I can get on that bandwagon. It's, it is one of those situations where you have to, that so many people have to remember that natural beauty is one of the more beautiful things than just making yourself look like a freaking Barbie doll. Make, you don't have to change anything. Somebody's gonna love you like you are. Please do not put anything in your body because you do not need it. That's that's my yeah. moral for that. <laughs> yeah, that's that's my deal. And I I loved the Monday Night Raw the next night because it was that was my first night home from the hospital. Uh, I I laid on the I laid on my couch because well well I had this kind of rational fear of falling out of bed and ending up back in, mm. in the hospital. So my couch was a recliner, like mm. a seat. Nice. So, you know, I stay there, I, I rest there, and uh, I watch Raw in my living room. Uh, you know, I had some friends and neighbors were, were over before that, just, you know, checking up on me, hey, give me all this get well shit. And, uh, yeah, that, 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 was a, that was a nice first night home from the hospital, seeing Austin win and waking everybody in my house up when it happened. Um I was 15 at the time, so right. It was just it, it was just a cool time to be to be a teenager. This was the talk of you know some my friends came and saw me later in the week, and we I think we watched this or watched something. They taped something wrestling wise for me. I think again. So yeah, th- this this was uh, I'll, I'll say it, it wasn't it, it was a pretty bad. Like, I, I say it sucked, but we we had a couple of good things in here. But just the fact that we had Billy. Gun. I mean, I'm going to be doing a rebooking of this at some point in time. I, I wrote it down. Spoiler alert: my rebooking has China winning. Yay! <laughs> so, uh, it would have been really interesting to just to give her this spot, even if she didn't actually get the WWE title, because China she became the number one contender, but never got her title shot. That, that's that's, a, that's another debate for another time. <laughs> Let's just move right on to something else. All right. So, guys, we're going to take a little quick commercial break. When we come back, we're going to talk about some breaking news that might actually shake up the whole entire branch, but including some comments that was made by one of the heads of the new executives. 
Uh, definitely don't want to miss out on that, as well as a continuation to the favorites list, you guys. 15 years as a wrestling fan for me in August. Definitely want to see what's going on for that. So we will be right back with more of the Game Changer Podcast. Hey guys, this is Nate the Effing Great. Hey, have you ever wanted to be a champion but can't seem to really find the money and the time to get a championship belt? Well, you know who's a really good friend of mine? AJ from AJsBelts.com. These guys have a large assortment of championship belts, from classic belts to the modern day belts to championship belts that you would not even believe. And guys, like I said, they work with you very well. With an awesome layaway program, there is no way that you can beat these guys' prices as well that these guys' deals, especially when you can give them a little bit of money every now and then until you can get that championship gold. Coming from a guy who's a champion and a game changer, I'm Dean Nate the Effing Great, and I'm representing AJsBelts.com, proud friends of the Game Changer Podcast. What up, ooses? This is DFDC Jeff Pomaggio of Not Your Mama Soap Opera, and you're listening to Wrestle Addict Radio. We are back, ladies and gentlemen, to the Game Changer Podcast. I'm Nate the Effing Great. This is Mr. Fretz, one of the favorite Canadians in all of wrestling and Twitter. So, guys, definitely, we want to do another shout-out again to our boys at the Wrestle Attic Radio family. At Fourth Wall, Fo- Pod- at, well, Fourth Wall Cast, at not underscore opera, at Gift of Podcast, at K-O-T-R underscore podcast, which also features the Queen Bee herself, Kate Murphy. We love you. We love you. We love you. You are amazing. Buzz, buzz. <laughs> buzz, buzz, boys. All right. So, guys, this is actually a pretty interesting piece of news because a lot of times when we do these shows, we talk about Raw, SmackDown, stuff like that. But we want to do something a little bit different. And we like to do, cover things that are more game-changing. Now, obviously, King of the Ring 99 was only game-changing if you wanted to be a major buzzkill. Ha-ha. Uh, but this one is actually a very interesting game-changer because... They made the announcement on WWE.com that former head exec of WCW, Mr. Eric Bischoff, and former head exec of ECW, Mr. Paul Heyman, are going to be the head executive, the head of executive producers for Raw and SmackDown. Now, obviously, you guys, there has been a little bit of this kind of rivalry before. If you don't remember, it was kind of like a blink of an eye kind of moment with uh, Eric Bischoff and Paul Heyman, where Eric Bischoff was the general manager of Raw, Paul Heyman was the general manager of SmackDown. That lasted for about a good four, five months, I would say, until Paul Heyman got drafted to Raw in what was honestly one of the funniest drafts I've ever seen. Just him be basically drafted and then be like, Screw you! I quit! Just saying that. Oh my gosh, I, I loved it. But honestly, you guys, this was something that I think is a good direction for WWE because of the fact that they have been just hugely suffering for so long, so much, and it's kind of funny because of everything that they've done. 
whether they've done the you know the reintroduction of the brand extension a few years ago. Now they're basically saying, well, that's not working. Let's just try to slowly start bringing people back and forth. They brought the stupid uh, wild car rule, which was brought on almost. Oh God, it's almost been two months since the wild card rule was brought into effect. That's that's horrible. But I will say this: that I want to kind of talk about what Eric Bischoff said in an interview that he had in Outside the Ropes, where he basically talks about you know how he would have you know done the brand extension, you know, to make them successful. He talks about, you know, his first introduction to, like, a brand extension deal when they had Nitro and Thunder. He kind of wanted to do something that was different where it's like, okay, we got, you know, Nitro is kind of like the WCW stuff. Thunder is going to have more, like, you know, the NWO stuff, stuff like that. And then, of course, he talks about his early interludes into the early brand extension where he was a part of it as the general manager for a good four years I want to say, it might, it might be off. But one thing that he definitely said is that in order for a brand extension to be successful, one of the brands definitely has to be a bit more grittier. You don't have to make them, you know, completely gritty as, you know, like each other. They can't be the, exactly the same shows because you have to give them something different. And that's what people have been saying for so long. So it's kind of really good to hear that from Eric Bischoff. Uh, one thing he definitely hits at, uh, I don't know if he this was during the time when he heard about the wild car rule, or maybe this was something that he, maybe this was something that you know he kind of thought, well if they try doing this again it's not going to work. Uh, he said that you know if they do try to do the whole deal where they bring you know people from Raw to SmackDown and people from SmackDown to Raw, he said that he would not give the brand extension six months before they just decided just just throw it out the window. So. I'm actually going to quote Eric Bischoff on that. He said that he's going to, he would give it six months. So I'm, I marked the date. May 6, 2019 is when they brought in the wild car rule. So we have all the way until November 6 of this year to see if the brand extension is still alive or whether it's dead in the water. We're going to find out uh, come November, you guys. And with the whole Fox deal, there's even rumors that Fox is kind of thinking maybe this is not the route that we want to go because they don't like what's going on with WWE. But I've kind of talked enough, so Mr. Fretz, I want to know your thoughts first on the whole Paul Heyman and Eric Bischoff being heads of Raw and SmackDown. Enough said. (laughs) (laughs) If I hear hear that on TV, I will lose my mind, but I think it's really... I just woke up to this news, right? I... You know, I, I roll over, see what time it is. Like, okay, let's check out the group. Chow, okay. Uh, it still hasn't really sunk in, you know, coffee, beer. And now I'm like, okay, Bischoff and Heyman. Uh, what year is it? <laughs> it's 2019, my good sir. Oh, boy. Okay, uh... <sighs> Yeah, it's. I think it's a really interesting executive position. Um, you you basically uh, took the words out of my mouth here. It's like you know something. I, I didn't read that interview, that aforementioned interview, because I just saw this thing on on the group chat. And it's like, oh, okay, so they're going to be one's going to be running Raw, one's going to be running SmackDown. I'm just like, okay, bring back the rivalry from like oh four, oh five, or whenever it was, like the. The one Royal Rumble when they both came out and just started bickering at each other. Uh, 
anyways, it's just, it's, uh, hopefully this kind of helps their kind of floundering reputation as of late, even though, like, Raw the past couple of weeks and Stomping Grounds, uh, hey, not, not bad, actually, um, I've already talked about Stomping Grounds on, on my personal show, so I'm just not going to get into it here, but it was, it was watchable, I mean, they kind of bamboozled us until the until the referee reveal, which was hilarious, looking back. Like, big-time troll job. I loved it. <laughs> uh, I just I, I just hope that, you know, these guys can kind of get in Vince's ear a little bit and, you know, hear a little less of, I'm a genius, and uh, just kind of have him open his mind. You know, Vince is, my dude, he's in his 70s now. And, yeah, I know, like, unfortunately, you know, Moxley said it best, and I think it's true. Like he's gonna die in that chair, uh, or just die doing what he's doing. And hopefully, this allows Vince to kind of take a step. I don't want to say take a step back, but kind of just give these these two guys some free reign and the writing writing staff some free reign. Because there's always the, it, it, I always see on some on the wrestling news sites, there's always job openings for for creative, and just thinking how shitty of a job that would be. Well, Even a, <laughs> that's, I do, I can attest that. Yeah, I, I will, I will say this. I did, I think I tried to apply for one of those creative jobs and I think there's still a part of me that's like, I would still try it just to see, but I also see the qualifications like, oh, you have to have at least done, you know, TV shows or commercials or you have this kind of experience of blah, 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 stuff like that. It's like, why not just go with a fan who actually, you know, knows what he's talking about? I mean, if they would have had, you know, Adam Blompier back in the prime of what culture had him, you know, do those bookings, that would have been great. He would have had some really great ideas that would have made sense. And, you know, he's doing this long-term booking. He's not just thinking, okay, what will get us into next week? Okay, what will get us into this? And he's not just changing his mind. He realizes, you know, there's some points where it's like, okay, we can't avoid this but we're going to try and work with it. We're going to make it so it's like, you know, I think that one of the best ways to say that is the uh, the whole Nexus deal was that, you know, whenever somebody got injured, they got outcast and they got sent out of the Nexus where he said, no, we're treating these as injuries. We're treating these as actual deals because we're a brotherhood. We're not just, you know, a band of mercenaries that just don't care for each other. We are a strong deal. So, you know, having that, but, you know, getting back to what you were saying, let Eric Bischoff and Paul Heyman have some freedom to where they can actually be able to say, hey, we're going to go with this idea. If it works, it works. If not, then hey, at least we know. And I know that, and you know, Vince is going to say, like, well, I've been doing that for months and nobody cares. It's like, it's because you're out of touch with it. That's the problem, is that Eric Bischoff and Paul Heyman, they still have a great wrestling mind and they can adapt to what's going on. They can make it so it's like, yes, the familiar storyline, but we can tweak it so that way it feels more relatable, it feels more genuine, it feels more original. You can't just be like, you know, oh, I want to make a joke about poo because it's funny. You can't have that kind of mindset. You have to have a deal where it's like, okay, what's going to keep the audience coming back? What's going to keep them interested? You have those kind of storylines, you're going to have a great brand. And if you ever want to win an Emmy, you definitely need to create something good. Otherwise, there's no chance in hell, pun majorly intended and implied of getting that award. Yeah, and it's like, you know, Heyman and uh, Bischoff, they're not much, uh, they're a little bit younger than Vince, but they have their finger on the pulse 
a little bit better than I than I think Vince does. Uh, you know, it's such the poop jokes and it's such good shit, pal. Pun intended as well. Uh, but yeah, I think as I just said, yeah, they they have their finger on the pulse a little bit, and I think it. Uh, I'm I'm optimistic. I'm, I'm optimistic. You know, I've been a wrestling fan for 25 years, and I don't see it, it, it would take like wrestling ending itself for me to completely tap out. I mean, we we have lots of options now anyway. So if WWE were to become not a thing or unwatchable, it's like, hey, look, AEW's coming up. I can get at New Japan World, blah blah blah. But yeah, I'm I'm intrigued. And I'm, I'm also thinking, like, you know, why would you bring these guys back? If is there anyone young in the business with the same mindset, right? Like, I don't. I think the only other person that comes to mind who's younger in the business with a mindset like like a Heyman or like uh, like a Bischoff is is Cody. And yeah. I think that's also because it was instilled instilled onto him by by Dusty. Because Dusty was one of the smartest guys ever in wrestling. That's why NXT was so successful and why those younger talents got a chance. Uh, I, I will say this to kind of close this uh, deal. Um, I know there's still a lot of people that have always said, well, if you hate WWE's product, why don't you just you know, go to go to AEW? Why don't you just go to this stuff? Blah, blah, blah. I, I'll say this. This is just coming from me, and I don't know if there's anybody that can relate to this, but for me, there is still that part of me that's always going to be loyal to WWE because... I am actually a little bit scared of leaving WWE because here's the thing. So many of my favorites are still in WWE and they're the ones that are keeping me loyal to it. You know, Ricochet is finally the U.S. champion. Congratulations yes. to him. I love that. You know, we still got Bobby Roode that's involved in there. One of the great, one of the best guys that I've seen, you know, wrestling. And there's so many other people on that list that I could just list off. And trust me, we're getting into the favorites and we're dwindling down to the final seven. I'll talk about that in a minute. But... For me, it's just, I don't want to leave because I still have people there that I love, and I'm afraid to go because I'm afraid of what's going to happen when when I'm gone. I could leave for like a month, and maybe by that month, you know, Ricochet could be released, or Bobby Roode could be released, and I'll be like, well, what happened? What happened to him? There's something like, something like that. And I'm sure there's still people that are, you know, still going to be loyal to it, because for me, it was his first, first exposure to, to wrestling was WWE. So there's still that kind of loyalty there. I don't think I'll ever, you know, cut WWE off cold turkey because, you know, like I said, 15 years as a wrestling fan, majority of it was WWE. It's kind of installed in me. And like I said, you got all those favorites there. Keeps me invested. Keeps me interested. Exactly. Yeah. All right. So let's get into some of the favorites, like I said, you guys. So uh, this might actually be kind of interesting because the first two are actually going to be related to the whole deal, especially that this episode is going to be released on O Canada Day, uh, two of which, well, actually, two of these picks are actually going to be fellow Canadians, sort of. Um, I, I'll let you be the judge on one of them. I know one I could definitely vouch is Canadian, but uh, we're going to start with the tag team, and this is one that I think a lot of people are going to be surprised to hear this name up, but I love this this group as a heel team. I love the fact that they always came out there. They always sang their national anthem. They were legitimately one of those teams where I thought, oh, yes, I love to hate these guys. And that was the incarnation of La Resistance, that being Sylvain Grayer, Robert Conway, not the, not the one with Rene Dupree, but the original 
uh, the secondary, uh, La Resistance uh, team. Oh my gosh, can I speak so fondly of these guys? And they just do a fantastic, fantastic job of creating that heel heat that just needs to be there. They needed to have a team that needed to be hated, and they were them. They were the team. It was like, you need somebody to hate us? You got them. You got them in La Resistance. They're always going to put down America. They're always going to make sure that they you hate them. They're the team that will always be there to be like, yeah, we hate America. We hate you. And we're going to show that we are the best. And they were three-time tag team champions. Actually, I think uh, Savan was a four-time tag team champion because he was a uh, world cha- tag team champion with uh, Rene Dupree, if I'm not mistaken. So, yeah. So I, I may not appreciate the original uh, incarnation as much, but yeah, Savan, Grenier, Robert Conway, La Resistance, still one of my favorite tag teams to this day. I loved it when they sang the national anthem en français, uh, Québécois, oui. Um, <laughs> uh, oh, Rob Conway, though, I, I just can't look at him without just look at me. Oh, that's that, right. <laughs> that, fr- that, that friggin' guy who sang the Toy Story song, uh, Rand- it's a friggin' Randy Newman theme. Oh, I, I love the original with, with Renee because also Canada, but I I attended a house show in Oshawa, Ontario, Canada in Ooh. 03. And that was actually the last wrestling-related live show I've ever been to. It was in 03. Um, I, I, I've said this before, but it was main evented by hometown boy, the late Andrew Martin, a.k.a. Tess, versus Scott Steiner. But this also featured one of the first appearances, I think pre-TV debut, of La Resistance. Ooh. Like Sylvain Grant of Sylvain Grenier and Rene Dupree. But here, here's the f- a funny faux pas moment. Um, uh, they came out to Ludwig Borges theme, which was the Finnish national anthem. What the heck? <laughs> yeah, um, case in point here, If we remember when we talked about WrestleMania X7, uh, Nikolai Volkov came out to this theme too. And last I checked, Nikolai Volkov was Russian. Ah. <sighs> <laughs> foreign, foreign, foreigners gimmick yeah well what's next we're gonna have um someone from Quebec come out to uh France's national anthem oh wait Vito Bravo it happened any anyways yes uh I love like I'm, I'm a Canadian so I'm a huge sucker for anti-American gimmicks no offense my American friends uh Team Canada the Un-Americans uh La Resistance and especially during this point in time in America, like the uh, the post, um, I'm not getting I'm not going to get into the politics here. But uh, at, at that point in time, when La Resistance came out, uh, America wasn't very um, popular, let's say. But I'm, I'm not getting into anything political here right now. This is not a politics based show. But I'm a sucker for those gimmicks, man. I love it. Uh, <laughs> But, but Salon Grenier, just, I think he was in there as an injury replacement before, you know, Conway went on his stupid Randy Newman theme gimmick where he was defeating legends for three weeks. And then Sylvan became like a model or something. 
But every time La Resistance came to Quebec, uh, they got a huge pop, and they always got a win. I think they won the titles in Quebec once. They did. They defeated Benoit and Edge, actually, if I remember correctly. Uh, yes, yeah, and, uh, and no matter what, you, you go to Quebec. I've been to Quebec, and it, Montreal is a beautiful city. Just absolutely gorgeous. Just uh, don't wear Toronto Maple Leafs stuff if you're going to be walking from one end of Montreal to the other, from uh, St. Catherine to St. Denis, if any of my friends are, are from there. Don't do it. You'll get, uh, ah, tabernak, English boy, I call this. I'm teaching you some French swear words right here, so. Uh, yeah, I'm not going to say what they actually mean, because I don't remember. But, uh, yeah, I'm, as I say, I'm a sucker for the, for the, for the Canadians and the Canadian gimmicks. I love... Every time WWE goes to Montreal, that uh, Sami Zayn and Kevin Owens to start cutting promos en français. Uh, and they, Sami Zayn talking about, it was funny, Sami Zayn was talking about things like uh, St. Vietor Bagels and uh, New York Step Up Bagel Gang was Montreal takes the cake. <laughs> no offense, New Yorkers. Um, and just at all these spots he was talking about. I'm like, I've been to those spots. Yay! Uh, <laughs> awesome. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, and li- like you said, you know, you like the anti-American ones. This was another one where it was like, it works. It makes sense. Only regret is I don't have a La Resistance t-shirt. Uh, so the next one that we have on here is another fellow Canadian, ladies and gentlemen. And this was one that I kind of had to warm up to before actually really liking her, but when I got the chance to actually talk to her uh, last year at All In, she immediately became one of my favorites. Ladies and gentlemen, I'm of course talking about the one and only Chelsea Green. The hot mess, ladies and gentlemen. Oh boy, howdy. So when she first debuted in TNA, she was just this kind of random blondie known as Laurel Van Ness, which I literally thought... Oh, boy, this is going to be another one of those people that's going to be annoying me, it's going to be bad. Uh, but once she started doing the whole deal where she was just a train wreck when it comes to weddings, uh, you know, she always walked around with a wet, like a just smudged wedding dress. Her makeup was all just completely just out of whack. Uh, she always looked like she was drinking. Uh, one of her first finishers, I believe, was the curb stomp, which, in all honesty, is a kind of ironic because now that Seth Rollins is back using it. Uh, she's got to do something different. Um, getting the chance, like I said, to actually, you know, interact with her a bit, I think it was only for, like, a few minutes, so, so for those that are guys like, no, that's not long enough, it's like, it was long enough for me. So, got the chance, she's such a sweetheart, and also, got to do a shout-out to the Rant With Ant show. Definitely check out their interview that Rant got with Chelsea Green. It's awesome. Uh, when she mentioned the fact that she was going to be a part of Lucha Underground, I was like, wait, what? <laughs> it was like, are, are, did you, I think it was maybe a week or two after I saw that interview, that's when she debuted as Reclusa, and she did a Canadian Destroyer to Pentagon Junior, Pentagon Dark. I literally marked out like, oh my god, this is beautiful. This is beautiful. She's. I think that was where I started becoming a huge Chelsea Green fan. And, you know, she's done really good. She's been a part of the uh, Performance Center in uh, WWE. She had some, she had a couple matches in NXT. She's been out with injury for a while. But now she is the happiest woman in the world because she's 
going to be marrying the broski himself, Zack Ryder. Woo, woo, woo. You bro it. I literally am so happy for them. They are just a cute couple together. Also, if you haven't gotten a chance to check out some of her tweets, they are beyond inspiring, but they're also so vastly entertaining. Uh, one of my favorites is when she does uh, like Monday scare, like hashtag Monday scare or Tuesday scare, something like that. It's literally her just scaring Zack Ryder every single t- chance she gets. And I'm just thinking, oh my gosh, Zack Ryder, you're going to be dead before you get married to this woman. Um, and Zack Ryder even tries to get her back, and she's just like, really? At night, at 3 o'clock in the morning? She just walks away like nothing. I'm just like, oh my god, this I love this woman. Chelsea Green is amazing. And I do have a funny story when it comes to her. So, I actually did get a picture with her, so a lot of people have probably seen. And this... It wasn't at her, like, regular booth. It was actually towards the booth of, ironically enough, King of the Ring winner Billy Gunn was at. So one of, so one of his one of his guys was there. He's like, oh, do you need us to take a picture? It's like, yeah, if you wouldn't mind, please, that'd be awesome. I give it to the guy. Billy grabs the, my phone. He gives it back. And he's just like, no, we can't do that. <laughs> Literally, she and I kind of look at each other. We're like, what, what? <laughs> we're just like we're just kind of like what the hell's going on? He takes the phone back. And he's like, he's like, I'm kidding. Have a sense of humor for Christ's sake. <laughs> and and um, the, and then, he, oh my gosh! And then I just remember whispering to her. I was like, I think I realize now why they call him Mister Ass. And she just smiles, laughs, and nods. She's like, Yeah. <laughs> and I, I will say this: I actually did get a chance to talk to Billy Gunn at WrestleCon. I talked to him. I just said, you know, hey, how's it going, man? We got, I think I don't know if we got a picture or not. I don't think we did. But I remember just talking to him. I just remember saying to him, well, at least I got a sense of humor, unlike last time. And he actually busted out laughing. He's like, oh, that's right, this guy. <laughs> so, oh, gosh. But Chelsea Green, she is such a sweetheart. Great person. Definitely follow her on Twitter. She is just absolutely fantastic. She has entertaining tweets. She has inspiring tweets. I'm really looking forward to seeing where she goes in NXT, I kind of would love to see her be the one that dethrones Shayna Baszler, if, you know, medically permitting. We'll see what happens, but I'm looking forward to it. I'm looking forward to seeing her back. I'm looking forward to seeing her just burn it down in NXT, bringing out the hot mess. It's going to be awesome. Chelsea Green's Canadian. Yes. I did not know that. <laughs> you didn't know that? No, no, I'm, uh, that was a, the point in time I wasn't watching a lot of Impact. Like, I uh, I think it was... What was the, the one show? Like, uh, there was a Bound for Liguri show that Alberto Del Taco um, no-showed. Oh. Uh, it was oh it was in Toronto, and Petey, Petey Williams was in an X-Division match with, like, Trevor Lee and a bunch of other guys. But I remember seeing her in this, and I'm just like, what on earth is this (laughs) and then I kind of got familiar with uh, her storyline and I think it was because OSW Review actually reviewed this show Um, like because they went Bound for Glory 2007 now we're going to review 2017 to see how TNA is doing and I'm not yeah I'm not familiar with Chelsea Green but the few things I've seen out of her as the hot mess have been uh, thoroughly entertaining yeah, and you know I kind of hope she brings that gimmick to uh, uh, to NXT I, I somehow think it's it's not going to happen unless they do like a 
like a Drake Maverick left at the altar kind of deal or I, I think I think there's ways that you can do it just like there were ways that you could have done the broken Mac gimmick in WWE it's just gonna take the right kind of circumstances I think that you know uh, I don't I definitely don't see it being a situation like you know where Chelsea Green and Zack Ryder you know they break up on Twitter or something like that just to fill the story no I don't see that I don't see that happening at all um, I could see like something very traumatic happening like maybe she's kind of like the one that the girls kind of talk behind her back or something like that. Maybe she turns to that kind of deal. But some kind of storyline that would actually make sense to kind of bring that hot mess, you know, character to the fold. Uh, it's just going to take the right right storyline to do it. it. It would take time, and I think by the time that they build this storyline, Shayna Baszler will be on the main roster. So... Yeah, we'll wait. We'll wait and see. I I have to become a little bit more familiar with uh, with the future Mrs. Ryder. Yeah, fair enough. All right, so this guy is you know for the men's. Uh, he's not Canadian, but I'm pretty sure Canada would welcome him with open arms if he were given the option. Uh, for number seven for the men, I went with an icon. Some may, may even call him the icon. That being. Sting, ladies and gentlemen. Yes. Oh my gosh. Nice. So Sting, I really got introduced to not through WCW, but through people guessed it, Impact Wrestling. Actually, my first uh, watching of Sting was actually when he was Steve Borden, his uh, real life, you know, his real life uh, name, uh, where he just came out. He just basically beating up everybody on Team Jarrett. He's just whacking him like crazy. He locks him in the storm death lock. And literally out of nowhere comes Scott Steiner. And I'm just like, what What the what? the what? I've seen so many familiar faces around here. It's the one night where I'm like, okay, this is interesting. Kind of piqued my curiosity a bit. Uh, then we get into the storyline where Sting is trying to, you know, cut the cancer out of TNA. And that is Jeff Jarrett trying to take the world title from him. Uh, and seeing him kind of evolve into just this very... Great character. I, it's one of those things where you know people could say, "Oh, you gotta appreciate him. You gotta watch old like NWA days, old WCW days. You'll get to see what Sting was all about." I don't know if I really can say that because during his Impact days, I got to see him, you know, be a crazy guy. I got to see him play, play a little bit of a heel, but he was still one of those guys that people really loved. He was a quote unquote godfather of the main event mafia for a while. He did like a crazy Joker gimmick, which in all honesty Joker Sting is still one of my favorite incarnations of Sting ever, so for those of you that think like, you know, best Sting is you know WCW Sting, I'm sorry but Joker Sting has it for me uh, then he came to WWE he wrestled only two matches unfortunately which really just tears my heart apart, and they were both losses which I thought, damn it what the, no I think that he, he should have at least beat Triple H at WrestleMania. If he would have gotten one win, it should have been against Triple H at Mania. Triple H, he doesn't need to win all the time because he's made a career of having wins all the time. Anyway, that's for a different story. Different time. Uh, but no, Sting is one of those legends I am absolutely fascinated by. He is one of those guys who just continues to be a huge inspiration for a lot of people, especially for those that want to you know, don the face paint. I'm sure a lot of people would like to sit... Say, like, you know, I wear the face paint because I, I remember, you know, guys like Ultimate Warrior, guys like Sting, they're in the same conversation. And hell, they were even a tag team for a while, for those of you that don't know. Um, 
Where they tag? I think they were even tag team champions yay long time ago. But I could be one hundred percent. In some promotion, they were yeah, like AWA or something like that. It, yeah, it was like before. I think this is one of the few times I could say this was before our time. <laughs> uh, before our time watching, but fair, fair. I probably I, I got a decade on you at least. So it's maybe the time as as long as in my lifetime, quote unquote. But yeah, Sting is. Yeah, he's, he's always been a constant in, in my wrestling life. Uh, around the time I started watching wrestling, um, like, weekly, is when uh, Sting started feuding with the NWO. Woo! Baby. Yeah, yeah one of my first... Uh, like I, I had a, a cousin who had, like, so many wrestling tapes, and I think one, one day... He, Sting's not on this, this pay-per-view, but he... Either brought to my house or brought it for bought it for me or I borrowed it. Um, WCW Hog Wild 1996. Hulk Hogan wins the the world title and Christens it the NWO title. And then that's just not long after that you see like Crow Sting come out with like the trench coat and the baseball bat. And before that we saw like you know Ultimate Warrior face paint like like that's the Sting in. 96 tag champs with Lex Luger and then he went away and had, got injured and I don't know if he was injured this whole time for like a year and a half because we didn't see him see Sting from about you know, like Russell I mean and from like Slamboree or Great American Bash 96 all the way until like Starcade 97 when uh, Sting Hogan finally happened and uh, that, ma- that, that was a letdown of a match but just He's always been a constant. Uh, he's been an inspiration for a lot of people, you know, namely those uh, those in the church because he's a he's a he's a Christian. Uh, I actually picked up his actually kind of bad uh, made for TV how I came to Christ movie, but it has footage from TNA in it, like when he was wrestling Abyss. Uh, the less said about his WWE rerun, the better. It, like. Yeah, he should have beat Triple H, but he, he's an icon. I didn't watch his Joker Sting run, but I watched him from, like, 96 until, like, 07. And his, his run in TNA, even when he came during the <clears throat> weekly pay-per-views, memorable, iconic. Yes. Oh, iconic, except not that. Yeah, <laughs> oh, my God. Although I, I love them. I, I will say this. If you ever get a chance, you guys, definitely go on YouTube, just put in, like, Joker Sting. You'll find so many great clips of him. And I will say this, that there's literally one where he still kind of plays the Joker Sting, but he's also kind of like this crazed guy. Uh, He's in power in TNA, and he's basically telling Madison Rain that, oh, well, you know, Karen Jarrett, she had power because she had a contract, which you don't have. So the power that you have is zero, nada, zilch, goose egg, nothing. <laughs> and he's just, and she's just screaming like, you know, oh, she gave me her power. She's doing like a nice shrilly voice. And, and Sting is just mimicking that voice to the point where it's like, okay, this is annoying, but this is funny. So I would love to see Sting do something like that with the Iconics. If you guys get a chance, it's literally, I think, uh, TNA, Madison Rain gets demoted. I think that's the video. It's so, so funny. Definitely check that out. Uh, So, gonna have the finals for this episode of The Favorites. 
talking about a matchup from 2012. Now, a lot of people might remember 2012 because this is where I think that a lot of people started seeing that the wheels were falling off for CM Punk, especially considering, you know, he had to go heel, he had to deal with injuries, stuff like that. He's not in this, uh, he's not in this uh, discussion, though, because the matchup that I picked for the 2012 did happen at WrestleMania, but it was between two huge icons in John Cena and The Rock. Their first meeting is still, in my opinion, their best and is still one of my favorite matches because of the fact that these two guys definitely showcased what they could. Of course, I think a lot of people noticed that The Rock still had a little bit of rust in there, but even then, it's still the nostalgic feels of seeing Rock and Cena just be going out there and just putting on a great matchup, and it was in, you know, Florida, it was in The Rock's home state, His, I think it was even in his hometown, if I'm not mistaken, uh, they built it up so well, and just the finish there, where John Cena, you know, he had an AA, Rock kicks out, and he's just like, I know we're here, I know this is WrestleMania, but that was a two count? Just that, and then him going into like the whole, I'm going to mock the rock and do the people's elbow. He goes for it, and then he gets rock bottom by the rock. One, two, three, pins him, rock gets the victory. And what could have been a really good story for Cena turned into one of those things where it's like a wavy kind of situation. Had they had Cena lose to everybody every way, yes, I would even dare say, losing to Mr. John Laurinaitis. That would have been one of those situations where it would have made more sense for him to have that redemption storyline. But people I could say, well, he lost every single time in that year. It's like, no, he didn't. He didn't. He defeated Kane in Elimination Chamber. He lost to The Rock. He defeated Brock, which was stupid. He, de- he defeated Big Show, which was stupid. He injured CM Punk, majorly stupid. He won the Royal Rumble. Okay, up until, up until that point, a lot of the booking was stupid. <laughs> he won money in the bank. You have to remember, this was the year he won Money in the Bank, and he was the first guy to lose that Money in the Bank right. He lost it because Big Show attacked him during the matchup. It's like, yeah, great. So, John Cena is a part of history. Lovely. We needed that. So, yeah, just getting back to that, Rock versus Cena won. Still one of my favorite matchups, and I just love every single bit about it. Yes, I know, it's not the best matchup of the year, but it's still one of those matches that gives you the nostalgic feels. And I think that's what wrestling still needs nowadays, is the feels of nostalgia to just keep you synced in. And I'm hoping that's what we get with Eric Bischoff and Paul Heyman. I'd like this match better if it was actually once in a lifetime. Yeah, I can't put it better than that. I really can't. Yeah, that's, that's all I'm saying about it. <laughs> okay, so we are just about wrapped up with this edition of The Game Changer. But before we go, I did say earlier on that I was going to talk about a little mini fantasy rebooking for the higher power. And this was actually a suggestion that you brought up to me, Mr. Fretz. I believe that was you that said, you know, rebooking the higher power. How would you do, do this? And I originally said, I can't do this because I think Adam Blompier kind of did it the best. There's nothing that I could do. And then I kind of thought about it. It's like, okay, well, what if we did something in a different direction? What if we took it in a direction of having that there was no higher power? Now, hang on, hang on. Hang on, I know a lot of people are going to be saying, saying, but there should be a higher power. There should be somebody there. Make it nobody. It's just really stupid. Is it, though? I mean, it's kind of like the children of the corn. You have that one kid who literally is just like, I can see this person. I can see this monster. And it's not really until, you know, the very end you actually see that. Uh, 
with The Undertaker, he could literally be the guy who's just like, yo, the higher power craves this. In actuality, he is the higher power. Because when you have somebody playing that role of higher power, you're basically insinuating that, oh, there's somebody better, there's somebody stronger than The Undertaker. I want to eliminate that, because for me, as an Undertaker fan, I would much rather have it that he is indeed the guy that is the higher power. Bring back the stuff that he was able to do. Remember when he was able to just do like the appearing and disappearing in the rings. He brought down lightning. Bring bring that into the deal. Make it so that, you know, he talks about the higher power and then people are realizing, oh shit, he is the higher power. And it's not until like later on he reveals it. I even have this idea that during his title match at uh, the event that shall remain nameless because of obvious reasons, um... You know, have it where Stone Cold Steve Austin has hit a stunner. He's crawling. He's going for a cover. Lights go out. Lights come back on. Undertaker's right behind him. Picks him up. Tombstone. Wins it that way. So where people are like, oh, shit. He just he just defeated Austin without anybody. Make him that threat. And how I would actually do that is to tie in the whole X-Pac deal, because obviously him and Kane had that whole tag team title run deal. Have X-Pac... Turn, have him turn Kane. Have him turn into a human. Have him realize that you know what he's doing with the Undertaker is not cool because Undertaker is doing these deals where he's basically you know sacrificing people or he's basically see, seeing that people are losing. He maybe has them beaten down. He has them flogged to make them more powerful. And now Kane is just like, okay, I'm getting tired of this shit. I need to stop this. So he's the one that takes on. Uh, this is where I kind of kind of copy a little bit of what Adam Blampier did. The whole buried alive match between Kane and the uh, Undertaker and Jake the Snake. Instead of Jake the Snake, have Kane be the one that does it, but with a small tiny caveat. Have Kane be involved, but Triple H is the one who puts him in the grave because it would make more sense for him when Undertaker comes back after all these nagging injuries. He comes back and. The 2000 Judgment Day, he attacks Triple H. People are now going to be thinking, oh, he's getting him back for the whole deal at, at SummerSlam. There you go. It ties everything together. And maybe it could be a situation where we see a bonding situation between Kane and The Undertaker where it's like, look, Kane, I get it. You were basically trying to help me, and I appreciate that. And they kind of have like a stronger bond because of it. You know, when they're a part of like their ministry deal, Undertaker's kind of like the head honcho. He's the he's like the god, and Kane is kind of sought at as like a peon. So now, we start building that up where it's like, you know, okay, you were right, let's be brothers, let's kick some ass, and we see the other, we see the brothers of destruction, just kill everybody. I think that's all, that's the only way you could, could describe 2000 uh, Kane and Undertaker, just have them kill everybody. <laughs> just literally have that, have them have a few main event matches, uh, I would not even break them up like until they did that whole brand split deal and where you know Kane could start being that monster deal and he could probably bring that back. He's like, when you were a monster, when you were head of the ministry, that was where you were good. But I, but then he mentions, of course, that we get to that you know eulogy back in 2004, I think it was, where he just talks about, you know, oh, you became human, you betrayed yourself. Yeah, and you have something to go back to. There you go. So that's kind of how I book it. It's kind of nits and bits and pieces, but it's kind of how I would probably would have booked the higher power deal. So, Mr. Fretz, I want you to be my first critic. Your thoughts? I like it, dude. Sounds good to me. 
<laughs> All right, I got a thumbs up for Mr. Fretz. I'm okay with this. All right, so we have gone, oh, geez, we've gone on for an hour and a half. Last week we did two hours, but we just went off the rails with that one. So yeah. thankfully for this one, we got everything we needed to say. So with that being said, we're going to wrap up this edition of the Game Changer Podcast. Definitely check out the guys at the Wrestle Attic Radio family at Fourth Wallcast at not underscore opera, at gift a podcast at K-O-T-R underscore podcast. You guys definitely check them out. They're really awesome. They are absolutely amazing. Check them out. You never know what's going to happen at WrestleAttic Radio because one thing is for sure, we keep wrestling real, but we also like to change the game. Mr. Fretz, final thoughts? Uh, final thoughts? That's uh, that's all, man. Um, Follow me at the legendary JF pin tweet, uh, Sick Kids Hospital Bleeding Disorders Fund. Uh, you've heard my spiel about it already today, so please, please check it out. Please donate. And yeah, we'll see you guys next time, whenever that may be. Because we have Canada Day on the Fourth of July. We're gonna work. We're gonna work on uh, either a different recording day or see what we can do for for that. Because it's the busy season in in my town is here but you will still get to hear my beautiful sexy voice as much as possible (laughs) sounds like a planning guys you may want to check out next week's episode because i got an idea that might actually bring up some nostalgic feels and might remind us that hey monday night raw wasn't all that bad what could i have planned You'll just have to wait and see. So for Mr. Fratz, I've been Nate the Effing Great. You can follow me on Twitter at Real Effing Game. Check us out also on our Facebook fan page for Wrestle Attic Radio as well as the Game Changer Podcast. Be sure to also check us out here for the Game Changer Podcast. We are available on Spreaker.com, on Spotify, on iHeartRadio, on YouTube, as well as on SoundCloud. And guys, Google Podcasts is always great. And we're also available right here on home at Anchor Podcast as part of the Wrestle Attic family. So for Mr. Fretz, I've been Nate the Effing Great. It is going to be absolutely glorious. and gentlemen introducing the wrestle addict radio network radio network 
Hey, what's up, you guys? What is going on, everybody? What up, fam? Hey, it's me. What up, oozes? What's up, guys? This is the Monday Night Delight. Are you looking for a network that brings you all things pro wrestling? Then look no further. Wrestle Addict Radio brings you a varied source of wrestling content. What's going on, guys? This is Willie T. My name is Mr. Press. This is your resident smart slayer. Search for Wrestle Addict Radio on all major podcast platforms and be sure to hit that subscribe button so you never miss an episode. Buzz, buzz, guys. My name is Kate Murphy of the Kings of the Ring podcast. And you are listening. And you are listening. And you're listening. And you are listening. And you are listening. Get ready for a war because you're listening. Come join the war each and every week as we fight to keep wrestling real. What's up, everybody? This is Katie Ricky Rose, and you are listening to Wrestle Addict Radio. 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 How do you get the most out of a grown-up getaway? Get out of town and get to Wisconsin Dells. Get to a water park and get your feet wet. Get a drink at the swim-up bar. Get to a casino and get lucky. Looking for nightlife? Don't even get me started. Get the gals together. Get the guys together. Call it a get-together. Getting hungry after all that action? Come and get it! Get on a duck tour. You'll really get your ducks in a row. Get it? You got it. Good. Wisconsin Dells. You've got to get here. Plan your grown-up getaway at wisdells.com. Hi, I'm Jay Farner, CEO of Quicken Loans. 30% of Americans who are planning home improvements of $5,000 or more will pay for those renovations with a high-interest credit card. That may not be a great idea. A better idea may be to take cash out of your home with a Quicken Loans 30-year fixed-rate mortgage. The rate today on our 30-year fixed-rate mortgage is 4.125%. APR, 4.22%. Call us today at 800-QUICKEN or go to rocketmortgage.com. Rate subject to change. 8.88% fee to receive this discounted rate. Call for cost information and conditions. Equal housing lender. License in all 50 states. NMLS number 30. 